You're listening to 06 Answers, where every week we interview a different member from the West Point class of 2006. When you ask 06 questions, you'll get 06 Answers. Welcome to 06 Answers. I am your host, Matt Wang. On today's podcast, I have the joy of having on Kenny Scholes. Now, Kenny is currently based out of Poolsville, Maryland, and works for the Director of National Intelligence and is also the CEO of Foundry Admissions Strategies. Kenny entered West Point from Poolsville, Maryland, and I'm sure we'll touch on that a little later throughout the episode. And he was in A3 as a plebe and H2 as an upperclassman. Kenny, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Matt. Really been enjoying these episodes and so glad that you're taking on this effort. Yeah, and I appreciate you being one of the early classmates to sign up to you know jump on the podcast. And we were catching up earlier just before we hit record. And you know we're both MI officers in a former life. And I was just going to ask you more about the journey for how you became an MI officer. Like what inspired you to go that route? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think at West Point, I very much was uncertain about what I wanted to do in the army. I was kind of, I think, in the middle of the class, and there was so there was options there. I knew just personality-wise that probably infantry wasn't the right pathway for me. That wasn't exactly what I was looking for in a, in a military experience. And I was also thinking about what I might want to do after the army. And so MI ended up just, it, it kind of fit a, a bunch of different categories that, that sounded interesting and appealing to me. As I mentioned to you before we started, you know, my cousin was a 2000 grad of West Point. She went MI. And so I also got to see I got to see her experience both at West Point, but after in the army. And so that was, that was appealing and helpful to me in, in making that decision. But I do remember it came down to MI and armor. And it was like that night before, whenever you had to rank order your choices. And I, I sat there for a while trying to figure out which, which direction I wanted to go, but ultimately landed on MI and um, really glad I did. I, I really, really enjoyed my time in the army as an MI officer. And then now working in the Intel community, that transition from the military to the IC was actually very, very easy. A lot of the work I was doing in the Army directly translated to the work that I do today. Yeah, that's awesome. And as you were mentioning, you know, the branch selection, it got me thinking back to like having that browser open, like you said, and yeah. seeing all the different branches. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is going to determine the next, you know, couple of years of my life. So I need to really think about this and uh, stay, rank them accordingly. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, it's funny because like, I think at most colleges, there's so much of that question of what are you going to major in? And of course, the major is important at West Point too, but but really the, the branch is almost so much more significant because it really is going to dictate what you do. And I think really influence what you do if you get out of the army afterwards. Yeah. And maybe Kenny, as a follow-up question, you know, going into post night, like where did you post first after uh, graduation? Yeah. So I posted at Stewart which was where I ended up spending basically my five years in the army, aside from two trips to Iraq. And Stuart was my first choice. And I know that might strike others as kind of ridiculous. My logic was Savannah was there. And that was, that was really from, from early on kind of the game plan. My girlfriend through most of West Point and, and now wife, her and I had had a bunch of discussions about different options. And um, we thought Savannah as a place to, to live after the West Point days might be appealing. And so Stuart kind of ended up being the logical choice given that. I, I tried many times to work my way into jobs that would be on Hunter Army Air Base, which is right there in Savannah, but that never ended up being successful for me. So I, I did the long commute from Stuart to, 
to Savannah each day. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like Savannah is one of those places that everyone just gravitates towards, you know, in terms of army locations and army posts. I remember, I think my options at the time were Korea, Fort Drum, or Fort Polk, I feel like. I don't know if Fort Polk is one of the options, but <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah. 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 Well, that was what caused me eventually to get out was I hit this point where my two options were Irwin and Korea. And with, with the fiance at the time, it was kind of like, yeah, this is just not going to work for what we're looking for. And so that, that largely kind of dictated my next step out. Oh man. Yeah. What, what options? Okay. <laughs> um, maybe with that, we'll move on to the questions. So the first question I've been asking our classmates is what's a core memory or story of yours from the West Point days that you'd like to share with our audience? So I was listening to Marissa's episode with you the other day, and she, when she talked about her R day experience, and I was driving to work, listening to that, kind of laughing to myself, thinking about that day and really the night before, and that that range of emotions before heading into West Point, and that certainly stands out to me as as a memory. But I also think about I, I had the opportunity to be Beast One cadre, and I also remember the night before our day as a as a Beast squad leader and feeling a lot of those same emotions that I did before coming in as a new cadet because it was like, okay, I'm going to receive all these new cadets. I've got this responsibility. You know, you don't forget who your beast one squad leader is. So I wanted to make sure that I did a good job because this was going to be an impression that was going to be lasting. You know, seeing seeing the experience of beast from the other side, I thought was really helpful to me. I'm one of those people that you give me a rule and I'm going to follow it directly, you know, regardless of how silly that rule is. And I think being a Beast One squad leader really helped me understand that there's a lot of that West Point experience that was not as serious as maybe I kind of thought it was coming into it. You know, these things that we acted like and we thought were so serious as, as new cadets when you're on the other side and you're out there yelling at them on the wall and then you go back in your room and you're just sitting there laughing about something silly that they did. It really, it kind of gives you a little bit of appreciation for like, okay, there's maybe some of this that's a little bit of theatrics and, and a game. That was, that was useful for me, I think, moving forward in, in the, the experience. Yeah, Kenny, I was going to ask you a follow-up question. So like, do you recall who your Beast One Kaiju members were? And like, is that part of the reason that inspired you to choose that position over the summer? So I remember both of my Beast squad leaders and... Interestingly enough, I'm almost certain that both of them actually left before kind of, you know, that first day of Cal year classes when you get locked in. I, I actually, both of them, I thought did a really good job as, as squad leaders, but they weren't around for the rest of the experience. So I didn't see them again, which is kind of interesting that they, that, that they left after dealing with me and my squad. I don't know, maybe we had something to do with it. I had Miles Hidalgo in my B squad. And I remember that he he was super helpful to have as a as a squad mate because he was just always naturally kind of good at everything, and so I would just follow his lead and whatever he said, like, "Hey, we should do it this way." I would just do that. But yeah, they they those squad leaders left and never never really heard or saw from them again. And I was gonna say, among those cadets who you were their casual member for, like, did you keep up with them throughout the school year, like, and then suing years afterwards? Did they have this vivid memory of you know sergeant? <laughs> Shoals yelling at them, <laughs> seared in their brain. Yeah, I have not kept up with them in the years after West Point. I remember kind of following along their their path, you know, certainly in, in their plead year and kind of looking out for them. You know, you, you feel a, a certain responsibility to make sure that they're successful since you really had that initial 
impression with them. I have kind of followed along a little bit with some of my plebes from when I was uh, a yearling and a, a team leader, I guess. And they've been very, very successful both at West Point and out in the Army. Beast, for me, was one of the few, maybe only periods of time at West Point where I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. I really had a good time. I had really good co-squad leaders with me. So I was with um, Brandon Archuleta, was, a, was one of the other squad leaders in, in our platoon. And, and Tiffany, now his wife, was our platoon leader or platoon sergeant. And so that was also fun because, you know, I know when he was on this on episode with you, he talked about beast being really that time when he started to have interest in tiffany and so i got to see that from, from firsthand and have those conversations with him and I, I remember thinking like this guy doesn't have a chance and now he's been married to her with kids for over 10 years so i, I guess i would, clearly i was wrong and i underestimated his abilities but yeah it was a it was a really it was a really fun time yeah no i feel like the casual experience is just such a formula of time and it's i feel like it's underappreciated i'll say i, I enjoyed my time as a buckner training or supply sergeant so i mean just, okay. just fun times all around so thanks for sharing about your memories man yeah, yeah yeah maybe i'll pivot to question two and i'll ask you kenny what's something that you're most proud of since graduation i would certainly go to kind of more the, the personal side so as i mentioned i got married to my now wife melanie in 2011 um, we were together for most of the the west point experience not two percenters but kind of started dating at the end of plebe year and then since then, we've had we've had two kids, uh, Sawyer, who's 10, and Maeve, who is seven. And so that's certainly been really a life-changing experience and really, really fun to, to watch them grow. We made the decision to move back to Poolsville, the small town where both my wife and I are from, back in uh, 2016 when I finished grad school. And that was a very hard decision. I, I think it it doesn't really feel like success to move back to the small town where you came from. So I think I had a lot of hangups about what that would be like and whether or not that was the right decision. But it, it's ended up being one of the best decisions that I, I think we would both say we've, we've ever made. Being back here, it's, it's a small town, very rural, but it's also very close to D.C., so easy access into, into the city for work. And it's also because it's small, there's also a lot of opportunity to really get involved in, in different community building activities. So I'm on three boards for small nonprofits, helping with things like historic preservation, some, um, some land preservation issues. I run small business that, that helps high school students navigate the college admissions process. My wife's involved in a lot of planning around different events here in town. And so it's been really great to feel like we can be back in this small town where we started and really make some impact and help move it in a, in a positive direction. In a way, it feels like continued service, just not in a uniform and kind of in a different capacity. But I've, I've really just enjoyed being able to work to, you know, raise this, this family here in this town where, where we grew up. My parents are here. My wife's parents are here. So we have that interaction on almost a daily basis, which, which has actually been wonderful. And it, and it really feels like we've we've just found a, a really nice, a sweet spot of a place that we enjoy, where we can make an impact, but also still have access to work opportunities, you know, just down the road. I appreciate that perspective that you just shared about going back home. And sometimes it might be difficult and weighing decisions. You know, I, I feel like that's something that a lot of classmates, you know, and we're in that age range where like our parents 
are aging, you know, yeah. we have to make hard decisions too. Like, you know, do we get out of the army or do we move back to like where we grew up? I was just going to ask you, Kenny, like what's one piece of advice that you give to those classmates who are considering something similar? I mean, you've obviously shared, you know, the success and, and the continued service that you have going forward, but like, is there anything if you could go back to yourself, you know, when you're weighing that decision advice that you share with others? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's recognizing that you are a very different person than you were growing up in that town. And the town is likely very different from the one that you grew up in. And so I think, you know, coming back to town here, especially because it's a, it's a small rural town, I was concerned that I would essentially just be surrounded by people who've never left and haven't done much, which was a completely unfair evaluation and judgment at the time. And I, and I see that now, but coming back, there are new families, new faces, but also a lot of new initiatives and efforts underway that need people to jump in and help with. And so it's been, I think, such a a positive experience for us because we do see familiar faces from, from the times when we grew up, but we also see there's a lot of new families here. So we've made really great friends with families that did not grow up in this area, have, you know, a really close network of, of friends and also just, as I was mentioning, there's, there's a ton of different efforts that the community is looking for help on, and there's just ample opportunity to jump in. In fact, I think one of the challenges that I have right now is just finding that balance of not saying yes to everything. Once the word is out in a small town that you're somebody that's willing to jump in and do things, everybody starts asking, and, and it's very hard for me, and I think this is probably true for most of our classmates, to say no when somebody asks for help. And so figuring out how do I want to appropriately allocate my time and energy to that kind of work while I still have a day job and still have kids and a wife that I'm trying to, to all, you know, be there for is, has been um, a good problem to have, but certainly something that I've been trying to work through. Yeah. It's cool to hear about the, uh, the positive experience so far. And I think you just mentioned appropriating time and energy. So that's a good segue into the third question, which is something that I've been asking our classmates to reveal a little bit more about themselves. So what do you wish more people knew about you or maybe an interesting fact that our audience members would be surprised to hear about you? I was saying to you, Matt, before we jumped on here, I mean, this is there's no question this is probably the nerdiest thing that I do on a pretty frequent basis. But, um, you know, I, I grew up here in this town. It's it's a rural area and there's a bunch of old, really old historic homes around this land. A lot of it has ties. You know, the Civil War had a big kind of there's a lot of troop movement in this area. And so these homes are, are very much, in many cases, linked into that whole story. So there's, there's always, obviously some, some West Point linkage there as well. I, I've always been interested in old houses since I was little. I don't really know where that came from, but that's always been there. And a couple of years ago, I was driving past this, this old house outside of town here and was thinking to myself for like the 1000th time, like, I wonder what it looks like on the inside. And so, you know, the beauty of the internet, you can figure out who lives anywhere pretty easily. And so I figured out who lived there. I sent them an email and I was like, hey, can I, uh, I want to come see the inside of your house. Kind of assuming they would either just ignore me or tell me to go away. But they, they were like, yeah, come on over, come check it out. And so I did. And I took, you know, pictures and they let me share them on Facebook. And when I posted them, the response from people in town was like overwhelming in terms of they had also had that same curiosity. And so that led to me creating this website and small Facebook group focused on old homes in the area that has really kind of taken off. I think COVID helped. People were so cooped up and bored and they liked having something that they could interact with. 
But now I'm kind of known in town as the guy that if you've got questions about local history, go talk to Kenny. He'll have the answers. I'm doing home tours. I have a historic home tour that I'm leading with 150 people next weekend. It's it's turned into this hobby that uh, is very much taking up a lot of time. And it's funny now because if I don't, you know, if I don't post something new on my Facebook page about some old house or whatever, after a week or two, I start to get angry comments about like, hey, where's where's the next thing? You know, so it's it's been really an interesting little little hobby that I enjoy and have really leaned into. And uh, I think it's something that unless you're living here in town, you probably would not know about me just because it's not something that shows up on on LinkedIn or Instagram for me. That's been a really fun little pursuit that I get a lot of a lot of pleasure out of. And Kenny, it sounds like that first person who opened up their home to you literally it sounded like a success story, but you must have some other crazy stories either where it did work out or maybe just, you know, in, in terms of the houses and actually hearing about, you know, how they were built or like the story behind it. Like, is there anything that you could share like that's interesting or that was a recent um, hit among their website? So obviously some homeowners are very much friendly about like allowing you to to come and check out their houses. Others are not as friendly and will, you know, tell you, I, I learned pretty quickly, especially, you know, it's a pretty rural area that walking up to somebody's front door kind of unannounced is not the best way to do it. So I generally, you know, send emails or calls, but I think as the interest has grown, it's gotten easier and easier to, to get in the front door, so to speak. So that's been great. I think there's, there's a number of houses here that are interesting because they were all built pre-Civil War. And so there, you know, this area was heavily occupied by Union troops during the Civil War. And so a lot of these homes were kind of inhabited by different Union commanders during the war. So there's, there's a house a couple miles down the road that I was just in recently. And um, on the second floor, there's these two windows and it's where Union commanders, very likely, you know, West Point grads, actually monitored the Battle of Ball's Bluff across across the Potomac River from. And so it was kind of cool to be standing up in this room in this old house, looking out the windows at this view that has largely not changed and just thinking about those guys there in the in the eighteen sixty in eighteen sixty one actually observing this battle and kind of wondering what they were talking about and what was going through their heads as they were monitoring it. it did not go very well for the for the Union troops. So it was probably not a happy conversation. But <laughs> Wow. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. We got to definitely um, link your website or your Facebook group in the uh, episode yeah, notes. Definitely, yeah. Well, Kenny, I'll pivot to question four. And what's something in the works or in the future that you're most excited to share with our listeners? Yeah, so a couple of years, about five years ago now, just before COVID, I started Foundry Admissions Strategies, which is a small business that helps high school students and, and families navigate the college admissions process. And it's the the start there and kind of how I got into that admissions world was kind of interesting and, and actually tied to the army. When I was in Iraq on my first deployment, I had a couple of soldiers working for me who had enlisted straight from high school. And as we were getting ready to redeploy, they were applying to college. They were planning to leave the military and go off to college. And so they're actually going through this application process from from Southern Iraq, which is not the easiest place to apply to college from. So as they were trying to figure that piece out, I kind of jumped in to to help them. And honestly, at that point in time, I didn't really know what I was doing aside from, I only applied to West Point Naval Academy and Virginia Tech. 
So I didn't even have that much personal experience applying to college, but, um, but, you know, I was there and I wanted to make sure that they ended up, you know, having success. And so we worked together on those applications and I found that I just really enjoyed helping others put their experiences and their talents forward. And so that, that got me interested in this world. I was working for a couple of small organizations that were helping veterans apply and go off to, to college. You know, right when I got out of the army, I was doing a little bit of that on the side. And then I, I started this small business again, I think four or five years ago, working mostly with local families here to help them move through it. The admissions process, for if, if you haven't been in it for a while, has gotten pretty crazy. It, it's always been crazy, but every year it seems to get more and more difficult and complex. I don't think that it's kind of like somebody helping you prepare your taxes. Like you sh probably shouldn't need to use that service. It should be easy enough to just be able to do it on your own. But the reality is that for most of us, it's not. And so that's kind of the role that I play, but for college applications. And I, I really, really enjoy that. It's been really fun and, and felt very impactful to both help families, but also grow a small business. So started with just me and now there's six there's seven of us on my team working with with high school students to help them think about different college options to write their essays to prepare them for interviews with colleges um, really the whole gambit so I'm, I'm really just excited to see where that goes it, it started as very much an experiment it still kind of is and i'm curious for for what the future holds on that and, and where it can potentially scale to that sounds very cool. And I, I don't even want to ask you about how AI is going to impact <laughs> your organization yeah, we, going forward. Yeah, we've been having tons of conversations. <laughs> like how does, you know, chat GPT now and, and what what is its influence on essays for applying to college? And I was just having a conversation with a bunch of students last night about this. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to get more and more wild each year as we move forward, I think. Yeah, I'll just say, I don't think they can have AI replace the uh, PT test for any of the service academies, right? So, <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I don't think, until you can get a machine that can throw that basketball from your knees or whatever. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Kenny, I'll pivot to question five, and this is our grip hands question. And this was posed by our previous guest, Justin Hogue. And his question was pretty open-ended, but he asked, if you could grip hands with anyone, who would it be? Justin left me a really difficult one here. I'm going to give you two answers just to kind of broaden my, my opportunity here. So one, I would look back to history. So there was a, a union commander by the name of Jesse Reno, and it's actually who Reno, Nevada is named after. He was a graduate, I think, in 1846, if I'm correct, but um, played a really significant role in the Civil War, ended up being, being killed in combat. Uh, at South Mountain, which is just north of, of where I live. And it's it's a really small little battlefield, but really a cool place. There's a monument to him there. The more that I read about him and learn about him, the more interesting of a, of a character he is, both in terms of classmates' reflections on him at West Point, but then also just his, his military career. So I think he'd be an interesting person to sit down and maybe have a, have a beer with. I think more current... Noah McQueen, Alex Hensley, and, and Pat Mitchell were, were three of my best buddies at West Point. Very much pulled me through a lot of the more difficult times there. And um, we've remained in touch since graduation. But, you know, as I'm sure you know, Matt, we all go a, a bunch of different directions after after graduation. And um, I really I haven't seen those guys much at all since we graduated. 
I know Alex is down in Louisiana, Noah is down in Florida, and, and Pat's out in, uh, I think, in Kansas City, just opened up uh, Red Sash Brewery, which I'm excited to get out to at some point. Haven't been out there yet, but uh, would definitely love to, to get back with those guys in person and, and share a drink. Nice. Yeah, we'll make sure that they're there at the 20-year reunion as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, Kenny, I'll just turn it over to you for our final question. What do you want to ask the next classmate? Yeah, so, I mean, I think my question is, like, fairly straightforward and and easy, but it's one that I think about all the time, which is if I had to do this West Point experience over again, would I, and, and how would I do it differently? You know, I presume Matt, you're going to ask me to answer it myself. So I'll just, I'll go ahead and do that for you. Um, yes, sir. Thanks. I, uh, <laughs> Marissa, I think said it best when she said, you know, on depending on the week, I, I would do it again. And I, I feel the same way. I think most of the time I would say, yeah, I would do it again. I think I wouldn't be too happy that I had to do it again, but I, I, I would do it all over again. I, you know, as, as I mentioned kind of earlier on, I, I felt like I'm just a serious person by nature. And I took every aspect of the West Point experience really, really serious. I had a number of friends whose, whose parents were early 70s grads of West Point. And I talked to a bunch of them before I went off to our day. And they gave really good advice. But they also gave advice that I felt like was more relevant for if you were a cadet in the 70s. And our experience at West Point, I think, was very different from what West Point was like in the 70s, just as I'm sure current cadet experience is very different from our experience in the early 2000s. And I think like as a result of that experience, I really took on this follow all the rules and just hunker down and get through it, you know, mentality. And I wish going back, if I could do it over again, I think I would try to not take myself so seriously in the process, try to relax a little bit, really lean into and, and take advantage of the wide range of opportunities that West Point presents. I think in a lot of situations, you know, whenever something came up, it was like, well, does this help me get to graduation? And if the answer was no, it's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that then. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm on a single pathway here to graduation and anything that, that takes me outside of that or doesn't help me get there is not something that I need to be doing right now. And I, I don't think that that was necessarily the right approach. Having said that, I also recognize that it, it's easy, you know, West Point is one of those life experiences that is quite easy to look back on now that, you know, we're in our late thirties, some of us in our early forties with a whole lot of experience in between and um, hindsight's always 2020. And so I also know that even, even those of us that were prior service or that went to the prep school, we were all still kind of babies as we entered West Point, really trying to make the best and navigate a pretty demanding situation in whatever way we knew how. So I also try to just give myself a little bit of grace there and remember that like I did the best that I could to get through it. But yeah, I think if I was giving advice to, to my kids or other, you know, friends, kids who were going off, I would tell them to, as best they can, try to relax and not take every aspect of it so seriously. Well said, man. I can't follow that up. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just great to hear of your story, but also from all our classmates, you know, have similar thoughts or perspectives. So yeah, thanks again. You know, before we wrap up, Kenny, I'll just ask, is there any last call to action from our classmates that you'd like to ask of them or, you know, at least ahead of the reunion. I hope everybody, you know, shows up at the 20th uh, reunion. I was there for the 15th, I guess, a couple of years ago and had, had a really good time. It was, it was very weird to be back on campus, but also really, it was wonderful. I really enjoyed my time there. And then I would just say, you know, if you're in the DC area, 
send me a note. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Let's, let's meet up. Even if we didn't necessarily know each other at West Point or after, I always love linking up with classmates and would love to just, you know, buy you a beer or coffee and, and talk some, some West Point stories or some non-West Point stories too. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Kenny, for joining us on the podcast. I'll end every episode with our famous class motto, never fault or never quit. Until next time. Thanks all. Thanks for listening to O6 Answers. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on O6 Answers are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the United States Army, Department of Defense, or any other agency, organization, company they have or currently work for. Nor does its use imply endorsement of our opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. Any material presented here is for general information purposes only. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at O6 Answers.